your lives. Uh, we pray that the Lord will definitely see us through tonight through his word. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, hallelujah. We thank God for this opportunity to know him and uh, for us to be able to study his word. Hallelujah. Tonight we're looking at a topic that I tie to godly requirement. Amen. Godly requirement. And I believe in what God is doing. And I believe in the character of God. God is a loving God. God is a good God. God is faithful. He's a merciful God. Praise God. God also is the judge. Praise the name of the Lord. The Bible referred to him as the only wise God. Praise God. And there is no other God besides him. And there is no other that is wiser than him. Praise God. And so as we talk about godly requirements tonight, I believe there is so much that may have run through your mind. And there are a lot of details that you may be considering. But I don't want your mind to go there. I don't want your mind to go there. I want you to center on, uh, center on uh, your mind on God's instruction. Praise God. I'm not here to speak about the do's and don'ts. Those are not what I'm paying attention to tonight. I'm paying attention to God's own words, God's own instruction, God's own direction. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 10. And I'll be reading from verse number 12 down to verse 13. Just two verses. And uh, we're going to go through a whole lot tonight. Take it from verse 10 to verse 13. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 10 to verse 13. Are we ready for this? And I stayed in the mount according to the first time, 40 days and 40 nights. And the Lord hearkened unto me at that time also. And the Lord will not destroy thee. Praise God. That is the people of Israel. Amen. Verse 12. And the Lord said unto me, Arise, take thy journey, praise God, before the people, that they may go in and possess the land which I swear unto their fathers to give unto them. Verse 12. He says, And now, take note of these words, very interesting, very important. And these are the things that we should pay attention to tonight. And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God, the Lord Almighty, required of thee? What is God asking you to do? This is not Moses' opinion. This is not Moses' suggestion. This is not about his personal doctrine or ideology. This is not about Moses' um, assumption. Maybe this is what God will like or no. Maybe this is what God wants. No, 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 no. He says, what doth the Lord, thy God, require of thee? What is God asking you for? Praise God. What is God demanding from you? What is your obligation to God? That is what it meant. What are the prescriptions? Praise the name of the Lord. What are the recommendations? What are the vitals? Praise God. What are the things that are mandatory? That is what we're dealing with tonight. Praise God. He's saying these are the things that are coming from the Lord that he wants from you. What did the Lord require of thee? But look at it. To fear the Lord thy God. That's number one. Number two, to walk in all his ways. Praise God. Number two. Number three, and to love him. 
Number four, to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Number five, it says to keep the commandment of the Lord, praise God, and his statutes which I command thee this day for thy good. Praise God. Now, obedience to God, take note now, very important. Obedience to God is for your good. Praise the name of the Lord. Obedience to God is for your own benefit. Praise the name of the Lord. And look at verse 4, verse uh, 14. Verse 13 says, To keep the commandment of the Lord thy God and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. Behold, the heavens and the heavens of heaven is the Lord's. Praise God, thy God. Hallelujah. The earth also with all that therein is. Praise God. The name of the Lord. It says, Only the Lord had a delight in thy fathers to love them and to choose their seed after thee or after them, even you above all people, as it is this day. In other words, Moses was saying to them, It's as a result of God loving you and loving your fathers, and that is why He had chosen you above all other people upon the face of the earth. Now, looking at the few verses that we've just read, one major thing that is much more important in all that which we've read is at the end of verse 14. Let's start from there, and then we go into the details of the account. This was the time when they were about to go in and possess the land and all the instruction that God has given them, a lot of requirements, you know. But look at what it says in verse 14. Behold, the heavens and the heavens of heaven is the Lord thy God. Praise God. Sorry, verse 15. He says, to keep thy commandment, the commandment of the Lord, praise God, and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. You know, when, it, when I looked at this particular word, and I, I begin to, I was really, really confused a little bit because the reason is that the commandment is from the Lord. Praise God. Take note, the commandment is from the Lord. Praise God. But the commandment is for our good, not for the good of the Lord. The commandment, the instructions is from the Lord. All the principles and the standards are coming from the Lord. Praise God. But the purpose of the instruction, the purpose of the commandment, the purpose of all these things that God is giving us is for our good. Do you see that there? So it clearly revealed to us that it is as a result of the love of God that is why he gave us all of this instruction. It's as a result of the love of God that is why he gave us the commandment. Now let me reveal it to you if you don't get it. Now when the Bible says thou shalt not steal, it's not for the goodness of God. It's for your own good. Because the moment you continue to steal or you begin to steal or you are stealing, you end up becoming a criminal. That's number one. Number two, you become a reproach. That's number two. And number three, you cannot be trusted. Praise God. There are many other reasons why the Bible says, Thou shalt not steal. And then at the end of which, you will end up in hell because as a thief, thieves don't go to heaven. So is it for the good of God? No. Is it for the benefit of God? It's for your good. So when the Bible says, Thou shalt not steal, it's for your good. If the Bible says, Thou shalt not lie, it's for your good. If you continue to lie or you are lying, you become deceitful. People won't trust you anymore. Praise God. Whenever you are around, people begin to, I mean, feel suspicious about you. Praise God. There are many reasons. 
Every single instruction in the Bible that God gave to us as Christians is for our own good. Praise God. It's to able to, God, God, God is trying to let us know that these are the ways through life. These are the path for excellence. These are the path for, for victory. These are the path not only for your, for your good, but also for the benefit of others. Because it, you can imagine whatever sin you may be committing or whatever life you are living that contradicts the word of God is going to affect someone else. So when you looked at an instruction like this, it's for your good based on what the scripture says. And let me also conclude this in this particular aspect. It is for your good because, listen to this now, God is a relational God. Praise God. You cannot be corrupt, you cannot be ungodly, you cannot be worldly, you cannot be sinful, and then you want to relate with Almighty God. The Bible says, He, he is light, He is holy, He is of purer eye than to behold iniquity. Praise God. It's like putting gas and fire in the same place. There's going to be an explosion. So if you're going to draw nigh to God, praise God, remember the Bible says that we should put away everything that is ungodly and that is sinful. Then the Bible says what? And we will become his people. He will become our God. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. So you cannot become the people of God and God will not become our God if we have all of these things that are contrary to the word of God in our lives. Now take note now. God is a relational God. And the reason for this instruction it's not because God wants to have control of you. No, 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 no. Oh, he wants to control me. He wants to be God over my life. That is why he's saying, thou shalt not this, thou shalt not that. No, no. Listen, whether you obey God or not, he's independently God. He's God. When Adam and Eve, when they sinned against God, he was still God. He was God over the angels. He was God over the heaven. He was still God over them. And let me say this. Whether you are a sinner or you are a saint, you are a child of God, God is still God over you. It doesn't matter. Even if you decide that you're not going to worship him, he's still God over you. There's no way God cannot be God over you. Even if you disobey him till you end up in hell, he's in charge of hell. He's still God over you. And listen now, God is God over you. God is God over sin. God is God over the devil. So it doesn't matter whether you like him or not, whether you worship him or not, whether you serve him or not, whether you, you, don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't think about him or not, or, or it doesn't run through your mind or you don't care about him. Whatever you can say, God is still God. That doesn't change you from being God. But the reason for all of this instruction is because God is a relational God. He wants you to know that he loves you. It is because of his love. It is because of his mercy. It is because he cares. It is because of his compassion. Praise God. So these are the reasons why the Bible, in fact, is available. Whenever you see thou shalt not, or this is the word of the Lord, God wants you to do this and to do that, know clearly that it is for your good. Let me go over it again. Let's go back to the text. Deuteronomy chapter 10 and see verse number 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Praise God. Let's take it from 11. It says, And the Lord said unto me, Arise, take thy journey before the people, praise God, that they may go in and possess the land which I swear unto their fathers to give unto them. You see what is there in the first place is that provision, miracle, opportunity, the promised land, a land that is flowed with milk and honey, praise God. What is there in the first place is God's goodness, God's abundance, God's rest, praise God. That is the promised land, the promise of God, the covenant of God that he has already sworn unto their fathers to give them. 
So before you even begin to consider, oh God is a commander, oh God is he just he just wants us to follow instruction, he just wants to push us here and there and control. No, 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 it's for your good. So he says, This is the land that is pro- I, mean, I have promised you. Arise, take your journey and go. But look at it, the way out or to the way through to get into the land, praise God, is to what? Obey God. Praise God. And look at the instruction. This instruction, verse 12, reveals that God wants a relationship with us. Praise God. The reason is because after man sinned against God, we were separated from him. So the reason for the instruction is to bring us back to relationship. Look at it. Let me reveal it to you. And now Israel, what does the Lord require of thee? He says to do what? To fear the Lord thy God. Praise God. To walk in his ways. To love him. You see that there? And to serve the Lord thy God in all, with all thy heart and with all thy soul. What do you see here? Relationship between man and God. Praise God. To keep the commandment of the Lord and his statutes which I command thee this day for thy good. Thou shalt not is for your good. Thou shalt is for your good. Love God for your good. Praise God. Serve him for your good. Walk in his ways for your good. All of these instructions are for your good. Let me say this, beloved. Serving God is not a burden. Obeying God is not a burden. Oh, this Christian life is hard. Oh, you know, the instructions of God are too much. Oh, it's difficult. Oh, I should do this. I should do that. Oh, thou shalt not. No, no, no. It's not about that. It's about relationship between you and God. In other words, God is saying, these are the ways you will be able to relate with me. Because if there's no love, you cannot. Genuine love. If there's no fear for God, you cannot. Praise God. If you don't walk in his ways, you cannot. You cannot relate with God if you don't walk in his ways. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot relate with God if you don't love him with all your heart. You cannot relate with God if you don't follow after his instructions. Why? Because it is like bringing life and death at the same place. It, it doesn't make any sense. Let me show you something in First John chapter 5, verse 3. Oh, the things of God is too hard. No, it's not true. Jesus says, take my yoke upon me and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Serving God is the easiest thing that will ever happen to you in this life. Serving God. Religion is what is hard, but true Christianity, trust me, if you understand what it's all about, it's simple. Even when you think that you're not qualified, he qualifies you. Even when you think that you are not able, he, he, he gives you all kinds of grace to live this life. Even when you fail to the uttermost, he shows you mercy and love and compassion. Look at 1 John chapter 5, and let's see verse number 3. What does it say? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 3, what does it say? For this is the love of God. Do you see that there? What is the love of God? That we keep his commandment. And Jesus already said, if you love me, you do what? You keep my commandment. So that is love. Genuine love is to obey the commandment of God. So if you see you're a child of God and you're not adhering to the commandment of the Lord, then you don't love him. But the proof that you truly love God is by keeping his commandment. If you love me, keep my commandment. And this is the love of God that we, you and I as Christians, 
Keep his commandment. He didn't stop there. Take note, take note. What does it say after? He said, and his commandments are not what? They are not burdensome. They are not grievous. Oh, serving God is a burden. This Christian life is too hard. Oh, it's difficult. No, it's not true. No, it's not true. It's lack of understanding that makes us think that Christianity is hard. Lack of understanding thing makes us think that to live a holy life, to walk in righteousness, to be obedient, to be faithful, or to, to live a life that pleases God. Listen, listen. I'm not talking about any kind of relationship. Look at it. If you see a relationship where a father genuinely loves his daughter or a mother genuinely loves her son, you see that relationship, that genuine love relationship between those two set of people, father and daughter, mother and son, trust me, you understand what love and what the love of God is all about. Praise God. It's about relationship. It's about genuine relationship. Praise God. Hallelujah. Look at Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 10 that we're reading. Verse 12 talks about the fear of God. Hallelujah. It talks about walking in the ways of God. It talks about loving him. It talks about serving him. All of this has to do with relationship. Relationship. Don't forget that. Relationship. Praise God. Micah chapter 6 verse 8. Look at the relationship between God and our, our fellow man. Okay. We've talked about the relationship between God. We're going to look at the relationship between God and our fellow man. That is how you and I should relate with our fellow man and how we should relate with God. Praise God. We're coming back to the Deuteronomy. Let's look at Micah and look at God's requirement. Hallelujah. Minor prophet. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I hope I'm blessing you tonight. Micah. Just after Jonah, let's look at Micah chapter 6, verse 8. I think it should be chapter 6, yes, verse 8. He had showed the old man what is good. Who hath showed us what is good? Almighty God, right? Have shown us what is good. And what does the Lord require of thee? What is God's requirement? The same thing again. Requirement is there. What is God demanding from us? What is God asking us to do, how we ought to live our life. What is the prescription? What is God's recommendation? What is it? And what does the Lord require of thee? But to do justly. Do justly with, with God. No, this has to do with your fellow man. Justly with one another. Honestly. Sincerely. Faithfully. Praise God. And to love what? Mercy. To love mercy. This mercy is talking about you forgiving others. Extending the hand of love to others, caring for others. Praise God. Hallelujah. To love mercy, praise God. And to walk humbly with thy God. To walk humbly with thy God. So this requirement has to do with your relationship with your fellow man and that of your relationship with God. But let's deal with the relationship with God. That is my concern tonight as we talk about godly requirement. Back to Deuteronomy chapter 10. Verse 12 to 13. Deuteronomy chapter 10. Thank you, Lord. Let's see verse 12 to 13. See, he says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord thy God required of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and all of that, the Bible says that we ought to. Now, look at it carefully. 
The very first thing that the Bible mentions is the fear of God. The fear of God. The question is, do we really have genuine fear for God? Praise God. Now, when we talk about the fear of God, there are several things that I want to point out. But let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 4. Deuteronomy 13, 4. Then we're going to point out some things quickly. Deuteronomy 13, 4. Please be fast because we have to share a lot of scriptures tonight. What does it say? Ye shall walk after the Lord your God. Take note. Ye shall walk after the Lord your God. This means that you must what? Be a follower of God. Follower of the ways of God. Follower of the will of God. Jesus Christ, I think it's 1 Peter 2.21 says, He had given us an example that we ought to follow his steps. Praise God. Praise God. Ye shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him. You see that there? Fear him and keep his commandment. Genuine fear for God will lead you to keep his commandment and obey his voice. You will obey his voice. Praise God. And ye shall serve him and cleave unto him. You serve him. You cleave unto him. You obey his voice. You follow after him. That is what the fear of God is all about. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. That is what the fear of the Lord is all about. You see, sometimes people talk about the fear of the Lord and, and people say, well, Ah, perfect love cast out fear. And so because I love the Lord, I don't fear him. No. No, you're, you're contradicting the truth. Praise God. The fear of the Lord is completely different from the love of God. Others will say, well, because I, I love the Lord so much that there's no need for fear. <laughs> there's no need for fear. That's, that, that's a misunderstanding also. Praise God. Hallelujah. You see? You can love, your dad can love you and you can love your dad so much, but yet there are certain things you know that, ah, my goodness, I can't do this because what? I fear my dad. If my dad knew about this, I'm in trouble. Even though you love your dad and your dad loves you, but there are times, I mean, there are areas when you know you ought to fear him. Praise God. So if in Christianity we are saying, oh, because we love the Lord and as a result, we don't need to fear him. The Bible says perfect love cast out fear. Remember that word, perfect love. Perfect love has to do with the fear of God. Praise God. Perfect love casts out fear. It's not talking about the fear of God there. It's talking about just the, the fear of any other thing that is contrary to God himself. Praise God. There's the fear of things. There's the fear, natural fear. There's the fear of demonic activities and other things. And then there's the fear of God. So when we talk about fear of God, it's different from the natural fear. That is phobia, exactly. Those are different things. It's, it's even different from naturally. Take for instance, I cannot see electric cable. I want to go touch it. No, I'm afraid. Right? There's another thing that I'm afraid of. Thunder and lightning. Praise God. Because I remember several years ago, I got shocked. So whenever there's thunder and lightning, I'm like, oh my goodness. Even if I'm driving, I'm like, I'm scared until I get home. Why? That's fear. That's natural, right? Fear of danger. Praise God. Somebody hits something unexpectedly. Boom, you're scared. That's just natural. That's not what I'm talking about. Praise God. I'm talking about that reverential fear. That fear that is born out of honor and respect for God. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. So when we talk about the fear of God, we're talking about you honoring and respecting God. Hallelujah. Look at the book of Joshua 24 verse 14. Joshua 24 verse number 14. What does it say? I'll read it says, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in what? Sincerity. 
So the fear of the Lord will cause you to serve God in what? In sincerity and in truth. Not manipulative, not in hypocrisy, not because you have a negative mindset, or not because you have an hidden agenda. You know, I'm going, I'm serving God because, uh, you know what, I'm hoping that uh, I'll make money after what I'm, uh, 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 do what I'm doing. Or you know what, I'm serving because, you know what, I want promotion. Because my manager is the pastor in that particular church. So if I go there, I serve there, you know, they will promote me at work. So you have an hidden agenda. That's the wrong concept. So you're not actually serving because you're fearing God, but you're doing it because of what you're aiming at. Hallelujah. The Bible says we must serve him in sincerity and in truth. In other words, whatever you are doing in the ministry, whatever you are doing in the church, whatever you are doing personally in your life, whatever you are doing that has to do with the responsibility that is delegated to you, do it with the fear of God in sincerity, sincerity of heart. You do that with sincerity of heart. It says, and in truth, and look at it. It says, put, it says, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. Which means that these people were having all these kind of idols, and yet they were engaging activities of serving the Lord. This has been the problem of many churches. We are carrying a lot of idols in our hearts and in our lives, and they will still believe we are serving God. Praise God. It can be that your, your, your money can be your idol. Your child can be your idol. Your job can be your idol. Your wife can be your idol. Your husband can be your idol. Praise God. Your credentials can be your idol. Your status can be your idol. Praise God. Anything that, that is standing in your way, that God doesn't cause you or doesn't allow you to serve God wholeheartedly the way you should, is an idol. Praise God. And so, whatever you are doing, do it you must do it sincerely. You must do it wholeheartedly. Praise God. It should come from the depth of your heart. You know, they say, okay, go do Bible study. Make sure you are teaching not to impress people. Make sure you are teaching not to try to, 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 to show off yourself or, or whatever. Let it, let, it, let it be out of your sincere heart. It reminds me of what Paul said. He says, I didn't come to you with all kinds of speech or whatever. I come to you in simplicity. Why? In as much as the guy was an intellectual, he was humble. Humble. It doesn't intimidate anyone with his intellectuality or whatever. It doesn't intimidate anyone because of his status or position or, or wealth. It doesn't, you know, no, no, no. There are sometimes, he, the Bible says he abased himself. He make himself of, of, of no reputation. Why? Because he considered Christ. Are we serving God with fear? How is serving God with fear? Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 13. It says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandment, praise God, for this is the whole duty of man. Do you imagine this? This is the wisest man ever lived, Solomon. This is what he's saying. The conclusion of the matter of life, the most important thing in life, the most, the most relevant issue of all is that we must what? Fear God and keep his commandment, that is his instruction, his word. Praise God. For this is the whole duty. This is the entire responsibility of man. Can you imagine this? Hallelujah. This is a counsel from the wisest man ever lived. Praise God. The most brilliant of all human beings. Solomon is saying, the conclusion of the matter that has to do with life. In other words, he summarized everything in life and he says, you know, it is centered on one thing. Fear God and do what? 
his commandment. Keep his word. Hallelujah. And this is the whole responsibility that we have. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 13. It says, Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself and let him be your fear. Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself and let him be your fear. Praise God. And let him be your dread. That is to say, let it be that there's nothing and no one else you must fear upon the face of the earth except Almighty God. Praise God. Listen, when you fear God, devils will fear you. When you fear God, the powers of darkness will fear you. When you fear God, praise God, every other thing around will fear you. But if you despise God, the powers of darkness, Satan himself will despise you. Praise the name of the Lord. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, he says, And fear not them which kill thy body, but are not able to kill thy soul, but rather fear him, that is God, which is able to destroy both soul, you see that there, and body in hell. So we must fear God. Don't fear people that will shoot you with a bullet and you just die. You know, that, 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 that doesn't change the fact that you're a child of God. That doesn't change your destiny. Praise God. You can still die today, but yet if you fear God, you end up in eternity. Praise the name of the Lord. We'll see that people fear government more than they fear God. They fear institution more than they fear God. They fear the police more than they fear God. They fear the Lord, the judges more than they fear God. They fear their husbands or their wives more than they fear God. They fear their managers or their directors more than they fear God. Some even fear their, their children more than they fear God. Others fear their friends or their neighbors more than they fear God. Praise God. Do we really genuinely, sincerely fear God? People fear their pastors. I've seen the, the, most, the most negative thing that is happening in the New Testament churches today. People have honor, respect, and fear for a man of God rather than the God of the man. Hallelujah. That's right. People fear man more than they fear God. Praise the Lord. And that is deadly. That is deadly. We must fear God. You see, the mere fact that we acknowledge that God is alive, that God is everywhere, praise God. The Bible says that, Lord, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. It says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So it doesn't matter who is threatening you or who is coming after you or who is making comments or trying to do one thing or the other. You ought not to fear them. Who you ought to fear is Almighty God. Oh, you must deny your faith. If you don't deny your faith, it will kill you. Tell them to release the bullets right away. Not to waste your time. Praise God. And those bullets will drop down like ordinary pebbles. Praise God. And they won't do anything to you. Why? When you fear God, the powers of man, the powers of government and nations, the powers of people will become powerless in your presence. Praise God. When you fear God. Hallelujah. First Peter chapter 2. Verse 17 says, honor all men. You see that there? Honor people, but don't fear them. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear the Lord. You see that? Fear God. Hallelujah. Honor the king. So you honor, give honor to whom honor is due. But fear, no way. I'm not afraid of you. Don't try it with me. I'm not afraid of you. You cannot shut me down. You cannot stop me. The only thing you will do, if God permit you, is to kill me. But I know God won't permit you to kill me, so I'm not afraid. These are the reasons why people think that Christians are arrogant 
And Christians, Christians are the ones that are causing trouble. No. They that know their God, they shall be strong. They shall do exploit. Because we know God. We know who we're serving. Praise God. We're not moved by threat. We're not moved by intimidation. We're not moved by certain rules and regulations. No, we're moved by the word of God. Only God is God in our life, not you. And these are the reasons why every child of God must fear God. Why, when you fear God, he's going to compel others to fear you. Fear God when you come into the presence of God, the house of God. Have respect for God. Fear God when you are all alone, personally. Even in that darkest dark when no man sees you and know what you are doing. But God is there. Fear God when you are at work and they gave you certain things to do. Your manager, your boss might not be there. Don't be eating up their time. You're on your phone when you're supposed to be working. If you fear God, the Bible says you must honor your boss just like you're doing it as of unto Christ. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord when they try to give you money that you know this money is illegal. This is ungodly and this is not right. Fear the Lord. Don't take it. Fear the Lord when they want you to sign certain document. He says no. Fear the Lord when the enemy wants to drag you into sin or sinful practices. Say no. Fear the Lord when someone's life is at your hand and you have a decision to make. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord when you know that you, you are in the place to help a family. Somebody is dying or somebody is sick or they are in dying need and you know that you are supposed to be there for them. Be there for them fearing the Lord. Fear the Lord. Listen, if every one of us as believers and even the entire world, if we have the fear of God, there are certain things nobody will tell you don't do it. You know you shouldn't do it. But what the system is doing now, what the culture is doing, what they are doing in Hollywood, what they are doing in certain governments now is to take God out of the chapter. You know, when God is not part of the chapter of life, everything becomes upside down. There is anarchy, there is, there is, there is, there is, there is no respect, no fear, no honor. So if you don't know God and you have no fear, you don't even consider judgment. So what the devil is trying to do is to blindfold you. The first thing he tells you, there is no God. And so if he already told you there is no God, why do you feel have to fear God? And you believe there is no God, why should you fear God if there is no God? So if you consider oh, there is no God, and so if there is no God, you begin to live a riffraff life. You say, I choose my own way, but why? Because there is no God. I live my own life, why? Because there is no God. I do whatever, you know, I can hurt you, it doesn't matter. You know, I can pull the trigger and shoot you to death, it doesn't matter. Oh, I can take your husband, it doesn't matter. Oh, a man can sleep with another man, a woman can sleep with another woman. Oh, we can, we can sleep with animals, it doesn't matter. Oh, we can worship whatever we feel like worship, why? Because you know what the devil has done? He has blindfolded you to believe in that which is not God. To praise God. He has also blindfolded you to believe that God, in fact, doesn't even exist. Praise God. And so they took God out of the schools, took God out of the system, they took God out of, out of the government, and so there's no fear of God. All that they consider now is what? Man, man, and what? Wealth. So if you see the glamouring that is out there online about money, 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 about self, 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 about pride, pride, and ego, and all these things, it's as a result of the absence, not that God is absent, it's as a result of the absence of the doctrine of God, the teaching of God. Praise God. And these are the things that they are doing in those universities. There is anarchy in our community, lawlessness in our communities today. Why? Because when they go to university, they tell them there is no God, so who are they going to be accountable to? Nobody. They don't have the fear of God. They don't have the knowledge of God, much more to talk about the fear of God. So, 
For them, life is just anyhow. It's about eventuality. It doesn't matter. Whatever happens, happens. It's like you are, you are playing the lot. It's a gamble. You are gambling your life to unto eternity. Then you realize, wow, wow. So there is God. And at that time, it would have been too late. But that would not be your case in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. The second thing that we'll see there is that the Bible says, walk in his ways. In Deuteronomy, go back to Deuteronomy chapter 10. The Bible talks about walking in the ways of the Lord. Hallelujah. So the, the first thing is that the fear of the Lord, praise God. And the second thing, it says what? Walk in his ways. He said to walk in all, not all just in his ways. He says to walk in all his ways. To walk in all his ways. Praise God. How can we walk in the ways of the Lord? Praise the name of the Lord. The Bible says in the book of Genesis chapter 17 verse 1, you remember we talked about this on Sunday, walking in the ways of God. The Bible says God appeared to um, Abraham and tell him, Abraham, he says he's the almighty God. He says, walk in my ways and be perfect. Walk before me. That is the ways of God. Walk before me and be perfect. And he says, I will multiply thee. You cannot walk in the ways of God and you be broke. You cannot walk in the ways of God and you fail. You cannot walk in the ways of God and you feel disappointed. You cannot walk in the ways of God and become a victim. It's not possible. But when you walk in the ways of God, you will experience multiplication. It's in your Bible. It's there in the book of Genesis, chapter number 17, verse 1. Let me read it for you quickly. Genesis, chapter 17, verse 1. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We must walk in the ways of the Lord. Genesis 17, verse 1. It says, and Abraham was one ninety and nine years. Praise God. The Lord appeared, and the Lord appeared to Abraham and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou what? Perfect. And what's going to happen? And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will what? Multiply thee how? Exceedingly. So wealth and riches can come by walking in the way of God and be perfect. What is the perfection there? The perfection there means that you must obey God to the letter. Follow after God to the letter. Don't say, oh no, God, I'll obey this one, but ah, this one I won't. Oh God, I will do this, but this one I won't, you know? Like, there are some cultures now and there are some other sect that tells you, or oh, whatever is wrong is right in their own custom. They'll tell you whatever is wrong is right, and whatever is right is wrong. And that is what we are having in our world today. Praise God. And even to some, um, to some, some, some level of Christianity, there are those that will tell you, oh, this one doesn't matter. Righteousness doesn't matter. Holiness doesn't matter. Praying doesn't matter. Obedient is, it's not, uh, Jesus already died for everything. No, Jesus didn't die for you to live a sinful life. Jesus died so that you will become the righteousness of God in Christ. It was Jesus himself that said, as we, we, we read it before, if you love me, keep my commandment. Praise God. So when we walk before the Lord, God is saying, like he said to Abraham, be perfect. And not only that, he says, I will multiply thee. Praise God. Anything whatsoever, it doesn't matter what it is. It may look little, it may look uh, medium, it may look big. As long as God requires that you should obey, obey. Praise God. There are things that God wants you to stop, stop. There are things that God wants you to do, do it. There are places that God wants you to go, go there. There are places that God doesn't want you to go, don't go there. There are lives that God wants you to live, live such a life. There are lifestyles that God doesn't want you to live, don't live such a life. Praise God. How do we walk 
in the ways of God. We walk in the ways of God by obeying God like Christ. Obeying God just as Christ did. According to First John, you can write this down. First John chapter 2, verse number 6. Obey God as Christ obeyed. Praise God. First John chapter 6. Even Christ, the Bible says, he learned obedience. Can you imagine that that was the thing that the Bible says Jesus learned? He learned obedience. <laughs> no, you don't get it. Imagine Christ, God in the flesh, came and learned how to obey the word itself. Which means that God himself can never disobey himself. God will never disobey his word. God will never do or live contrary to his word. Because the day he disobey himself, he deny himself. And the Bible says he honors his word above his name. Praise God. So you clearly see God himself, he obeyed himself. The Bible says he does so by learning obedience. That was the only thing that God has to come and learn, obedience. Can you imagine that? In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1, the Bible says we must walk worthy. We must walk worthy within the vocation to which we are called. So we must walk perfectly before God. We must walk in obedience just as Christ walked. And, and we must walk worthy according to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. We must also walk circumspectly according to Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15. Walk circumspectly. That means you must have what we call spiritual catwalk. You must be catwalk in spiritually. Careful. Make sure you tread in the path of the Lord. Hallelujah. Make sure you don't go contrary to the word of the Lord. Make sure you don't live the life that is against God. Make sure you don't walk in the path that is against God's word. Praise the name of the Lord. So the Bible says that we must, number one, what? Love the Lord. Hallelujah. And fear him. So we must fear the Lord. Number two, the Bible also says that we must walk in his ways. According to our text, we must walk in all his ways. Praise God. And then number three, it says, and to love him. To love him. Let's talk about the love of God now. Deuteronomy chapter 11 verse 1. Now, this is not the love of God for us. Praise God. We're talking about our love now for God. Praise God. Now, it, it will shock you. That Romans chapter 8 talks about the love that God has for us. What shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or sword or perils or famine? And he says, I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor angel, nor principalities, nor powers. And he says, nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. That is a different kind of love. That one has to do with the love that Jesus or that God has for us. Now, what we're talking about here now is the love that we ought to have for God. Not God loving us now, but we're talking about us loving God. How can we love God? How should we love God? Deuteronomy chapter 11 verse 1. It says, therefore thou shalt love the Lord thy God. How? And keep his charge, praise God, hallelujah, and his statutes and his judgment and his commandment. How? How? Always. Always. That means that every single time we must, in every area of our life, we must what? Love the Lord. Remember Exodus chapter 20? Remember the Ten Commandments? It says, Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, with all the strength, 
and with all your soul. And now he said, therefore thou shalt love the Lord thy God and keep his commandments. So the love has to do with what? Keeping his commandments. That's how we love him. It has to do with his statutes, following after his statutes and his judgment and his commandment. Praise God. All we praise the name of the Lord. That is how we demonstrate that we really, truly, sincerely love the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, the love of God is not grievous again. The love of God is not grievous. You cannot love God outside your own will. You cannot love God outside your own will. If you are going to love God, your will must be involved. Your will must be involved. Praise the name of the Lord. So you say, ah, you know, they are forcing me to love God. No. No. Or you know, because I don't want to go to hell. That's why I'm loving him. <laughs> and you know, if I don't love him, I, I, my parents will, will be mad at me, but I, it's too much for me, this Christian life. No. Or if I don't love the Lord now, my husband will divorce me. Or what will my pastor say? What will people know? No. Love is not by force. You know that. Genuine love is not by force. Praise God. When you truly, sincerely love God, it is going to come out of your will. It's going to come out of a genuine heart. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, I'll read these verses right down. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. It says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God, look at this now, with all thy heart. So there is no way you can genuinely say you love God if it is not coming from your heart. Praise God, it must come from your heart. And with not even some, it says, with all your heart, take note, with all thy soul and with all thy might. In other words, take note now. When it comes to the love of God that he requires from you, there ought to be no rivalry. You see how, how serious it is? I'm not talking about you loving your husband or your, your, your wife. That's a different kind of love. This one, when it comes to God, he says, give me everything. Give me everything. Praise God. Not half-heartedly. No. He says everything. Everything must be involved. Everything. Which means that when it comes to the love of God, your everything must be involved. Look at the condition. All your heart, all your soul, all your mind. It goes to the triumph part of the human body. Spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, your body. Your heart, your soul, your mind. So the love of God must, must be demonstrated in every area. Which means that <laughs> it doesn't matter how, how hard the situation might be that you may find yourself, the love of God must take first place. So, but pastor, my job doesn't allow me to love God. Oh, pastor, my culture doesn't allow me to love God. Or oh, the condition that I found myself, I cannot love God based on his requirements. Listen to this now. The condition that you find yourself as a sinner compared to him as almighty God, he had to let go. The Bible says in Philippians, he emptied himself to come down in the form of humanity or a flesh in order to redeem us. What is your responsibility that you have? Do you think that it is too big for God or your, your responsibility or, or your culture or your whatever it is that you may want to use as an excuse considering the fact that God did more or consider God's own status 
And yet, with all of his responsibility, with all of his status, with all of his majesty, with all of his excellency, with all of his power, he made time to let go of everything. He condescended to our level and continued to love us. Not just love us, he loved us to the extent that he gave his life. Can you imagine? God Almighty loved us to the extent that he gave his life. Greater love had no man than this, than for a man to lay his life for a fellow man. That is the greater love. So the question is, do you really truly love God? And if you love God, is it coming from your heart? When you love God, you give him your heart, you give him your soul, you give him your strength, which clearly reveals that loving God demands everything, everything from you. There are some people who say, oh, oh, God, I love you, but don't touch my pocket. Oh, God, I love you, but don't touch my flesh. God, I love you, but don't come to my heart. Don't touch my mind. Oh, God, I love you, but don't touch my business. God, I love you, but don't interfere with my family. Oh, God, I love you, but you know, you put restraining order, <laughs> put it that way. You put those restrictions, say, but God, this is no go area for you. Let our relationship be centered on this way. Don't come over here. It is God that you are dealing with that way. And God looks at you and he says, ah, you are not ready yet. Praise God. Because if the love is genuine, if it is burning from your heart, if it is burning from your soul, you put your strength there. And everything that you have, your might, your all in all, you say, God, take everything. You know, when we sing this song, sometimes some of us don't know the meaning of it. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Oh, if no one follow yet, I will follow. If no one follow yet, I will follow. Then we go to the third one and says, ah, take, oh, take that whole world and give me Jesus. Hmm. Listen, when you love God, there ought not to be anything, anything whatsoever that will stand close to that love. Not even your wife, not even your children. You can put everything on the line for God. Put everything on the line. That is love. Love for God is when you get to the point where nothing else belongs to you. This was the reason why Abraham was referred to as the friend of God. You know why? Whatever that he cherished, which was his Isaac. Isaac has to do with the covenant of God. Isaac has to do with the fulfillment of the promise of God. Isaac has to do with the promise of God itself. Isaac has to do with the destiny of Abraham and the entire world put together. Isaac was the everything that God already tied the destiny, the potentials and everything about Abraham and his future. Everything was tied on Isaac. And God says, give him to me. You know what God was saying? Give me your all in all. You see, God did not ask him for Sarah. You know why God didn't ask Abraham for Sarah? Because the promise of God was not upon Sarah. Praise God. The promise of God was upon the seed. Praise God. His seed and his seed seeds. Now God was saying, look at the promise that I made. Can you offer it back to me? Do you take my promise much more than me? Now pay attention, children of God. Many of us out there, we take the promises of God more than God himself. 
Oh God, you have promised me A. God, you promised me B. Oh God, you promised me C. Oh God, you promised me D. Oh God, you promised me E. What about F? Lord, you say D. Oh, you say J. Oh God, you said W. Lord, you said X. Oh God, look at my heart. You promised me Y. Oh God, what about V? God, you promised me M. Oh Lord, you promised me P. God says all of that. Yes, I did. How about me? But you never go back and say, God, I need you more than everything else. Lord, it's not about the promise. It's about you. You are the one that I want, not the promise. Imagine you plan to give somebody a phone. And as soon as you stretch your hand to give the phone, the person grabs your hand, not the phone. He says, you are the one that I want. I don't want your phone. That will go deep into your heart. What, what did he just say? It's like the husband is giving the gift to the wife. He says, I love you. Honey. That's, he says, no, no, no. I love you more. I don't want the phone. I want you. Praise God. Imagine you. You're giving a gift to your daughter or to your son. He says, oh, happy birthday. I love you. And then your son, instead of grabbing the gift, grab your hand and say, Oh, mommy, I love you more. You are much more important to me than this gift. How would you feel? That is exactly what God wants. Go after God. Forget about the promises. Listen. He says, surely his goodness and his mercy shall follow thee all the days of your life. Many times, listen to this now. People are chasing after what God has said will chase them. Praise God. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added. These things are going to be added. So forget about these things. You are not the one that will add those things. God himself will add those things. So go after God and he will add those things. Praise God. Continue to serve God and surely, he says, without fail, without any, any, any shadow of turning, he said, these things shall follow thee. All the days of your life. Goodness and mercy. The Bible says, God is not a liar. God has never failed a man, as I used to say. Now, when we talk about the love of God, do you love God above his promise? Or the promises of God? Hallelujah. So God said to, Isaac, uh, to Abraham, give me all that I have promised you. And let me see. Reminds me of Job again. You remember what happened to Job? There are two things that, or three things that Satan said to God. He said, number one, you put an edge over him. Just open it and let me deal with the man. He dealt with the man within one moment, finished his body, nothing happened. Destroy all his wealth. He said, ah, because of all these things that you've done for this man. In fact, that is why he's serving you. God says, okay, touch everything, but not his life. Praise God. You know what God was doing? God was humiliating Satan. Say, look at how a man is faithful. Look at how a man loved me more than you, Satan, as an angel. Look at how a man loves me more. And the man gets to the point. He says, ah, do he slay me? He says, I will serve you. How many Christian, Christians out there can be like Job? He said, do he slay me? God, I still love you. The wife came and said, curse God and die. She said, curse God and die. The man said, foolish woman, sit down there. You don't know what is going on. The friends were saying, hey, because of your sin, you may have done this and done that. I said, hey, forget about this thing. This is between me and my papa. I love him. I love you, Lord. 
Remember those Christians that will love God so much that pain, take note now, pain doesn't bother them. Death doesn't bother them. The death of husband, death of wife, death of children, wealth, destruction, everything, they will lose everything and still say, Lord, I love you, Lord. Genuine love. Let me, let me say this to you. You see, every single thing that you're looking for in this life is tied on one thing. Your love for God. You want miracle faster. You see, lovers of God don't struggle for recognition. Lovers of God don't struggle for miracle. In fact, I have discovered throughout my years in ministry that those who genuinely, sincerely love God, hmm, they don't spend time asking God for anything. You know why? The more they love God, the more God bless them. They, they, they don't have need. Most of them don't have need. Because why? You cannot have a child that loves you so much as a parent and you don't make provision for them. It's not possible. When you see that child that comes after you everywhere you turn, everywhere you go, ah, trust me, you cannot go to work and you see good things. You're running home, you say, ah, my baby, oh, my son, oh, my daughter. And then you, you, you want to buy everything for them. It's like when you are in love with your wife or your husband, and because of love you want to provide, because of love you want to support, because of love you want to give. Can you imagine much more the love of God? When we demonstrate that love to God, what happened to us? But listen, there are some times you don't need to buy anything. You are so demonically uh, inclined now. Everything is demon, demon, demon. Everything is Satan, Satan, Satan. All of that is destroying the love of God away from you. You become so warfare-minded that you don't have time to worship God anymore. You don't have time to love God anymore. You don't have time to be relational with God anymore. When they say, let us pray. We bind you. We... No, no, no. When was the last time you say, Lord, touch my heart to love you the more. Lord, I want to seek you. Lord, I want to see. Like David was saying, Lord, I can't wait for you to open the heaven and come down. Learn the heaven. He said, Lord, I can't wait. I wish I could die now to see. That's the man that loved God. The God, the Bible says, he's a man after God's own heart. He was, so, he was such a God lover that he was, he was dying in love. Look at those Christians who genuinely, truly, sincerely love God. They are problem free. They are need free. Praise God. They are casualty free. They are sickness, free from sickness, free from all these things. Why? Because hmm, you cannot love God and become a victim in this life. It's not possible. Anything that attempts you, it pushes the hearts of God. God says, ah, no way. You cannot touch this one. Ah, this is the love of my life. You can't. You can't. By the time Satan even think about it, God just slap him on the left, slap him on the right. Much more to talk about demons. Who are demons? No, they cannot attempt your life because God is going to guard you with what we call his holy jealousy. Holy jealousy. Say, ah, 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 among my children, this one, if you touch this one, you finish. I'll finish you right away. This one that loves me, no way. It's like that child that you love so much. They say something happened. Your heart is beating. You just want to get home right away. Why? Because I, oh my, my, my baby, oh my son, oh my daughter, why? He's beating. Boom, 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 boom. There is love. Praise God. Deuteronomy says, Dash, I mean, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. 
Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12, we just read that. And then Psalm 31, verse 23 says, O love the Lord, all ye his saints. O love the Lord, all ye his saints. Praise God. For the Lord preserved it. You see that there? The Lord preserved the faithful. You see that? He's talking about the love of God. Then he's saying, God preserved the faithful. Who are the faithful? The faithful are those who sincerely, genuinely what? Love the Lord. He preserved the faithful. And plentifully, you see that now? And plentifully rewarded the proud doers. Those who are arrogant, those who are pompous, they don't want to love God. Why should I love God? Oh, they have all kinds of excuses and complain. They are full of themselves. God reward them. He will reward them what? With calamity. Praise God. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5. It says, And the Lord direct your heart into the love of God, praise God, and into the what? The patience waiting for Christ. Hallelujah. How I pray that that should be our prayer. Lord, direct my heart to the love of God. Direct my heart to love you. Lord, I want to love you. Lord, I want to love you. Lord, Lord, help me to love you. Teach me to love you. Oh, Lord, show me your path. Show me your ways. Lord, I don't understand you, Lord. Show me the mystery of eternity, the mystery of life, the mystery of this world. Lord, the mystery of your power. Show me. Don't be a God, I need a shoe. Oh, Lord, if you don't give me a shoe, I don't go to church. No, you're still a spiritual kindergarten. Oh, Lord, look at my pants. Lord, I'm trusting you to provide pants for me, oh, God. If you don't provide pants for me, I'm not going to go for that Bible study. Don't come. God is saying, in fact, stay home. <laughs> Praise God. Oh, Lord, if you don't provide for me, I won't pray. Oh, Lord, I won't pray. You think that that is even a prayer? That's a protest you are doing. <laughs> you know what you are saying, Lord? Provision is much more important to me than you. But you see a man that loves God. In fact, whatever he has, he will give it to God. He comes to church, they said, it's offering time. He says, like the man, the woman, the Bible talk, uh, talks about the widow's mind. She came into the presence of God with just a mind. And that was all that she, can you give all that you have? There are people who were coming with thousands. They were giving out of what they have, their substance. But this woman, the Bible says she gave all. There was nothing left. Why? She loved God. Have you gotten to the point where you can give him your all in all, your time, your finances? Maybe you are one of those that used to be so faithful in giving your tithe, so faithful in serving the Lord, so faithful in attending Bible studies, so faithful in coming for prayers, so faithful in everything. And let me say this to you now. Let me say this. Those of you who are watching, those online Christians, please, no insult. Don't take it personal, but in another words, in another way, Consider it very important. You are bold enough to catch the bus to go to work. You are bold enough to catch the bus to go to the mall. You are bold enough to catch the bus to go to go do grocery. And you are also bold enough to drive your way to work in all these places. And you never fear that you will catch corona. Right? But to come to church, is all there is corona. Where is the love of God? Now you're becoming an online member. But if you genuinely love God, the Bible says we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. It was David that says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I used to tell people, 
Now, Corona people are not coming to church. I say it shows the level of their love or their relationship or their commitment with God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Imagine this God that is preserving you from dying of Corona and you're not coming to church. Why? Because of Corona. It doesn't make any sense to you. It doesn't make any sense. And then you want to say, I love the Lord. God is looking at your heart. You know deep down in your heart, that is not true. At work, you are mingling with all set of people in different departments. Oh yes, but to come to church, you say, ah, I'm afraid of Corona. Where is the Lord? You see, it shows that you love money more than you love God. It shows that you can put your life on the edge. Some of you are even working in the hospitals. You can go there, work with corona patients, but you cannot come to church and serve God. You say, ah, God knows my heart. God knows my heart. I can serve him from home. Or I can watch online. I can, I can join Bible study. I can join the, 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 the YouTube program. Or I can join the Zoom. There is no Zoom heaven. There is no online heaven. Praise God. Come to the house of God. Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. That corporate anointing is very, very important. He said, well, Pastor, God is everywhere. Yeah. Well, if that is the case, stop going to work. Join those who are working online and stay online. Don't go to go do grocery. Do everything online. Don't go anywhere. Just stay home. Lock yourself home and stay home. You know everything is online now. Do everything online. Everything online. Stay home. Don't even come out to greet anyone because there's corona out there. Maybe if you greet them, corona will transfer to you. <laughs> Praise God. But that is what we do. And then we say we love God. You go to all other places, but you don't go to church. Hallelujah. The Bible says something in the book of Jude, verse 21. Jude, verse 21. It says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourself there. Keep yourself in the love of God no matter what. Keep yourself in the love of God no matter how. Keep yourself in the love of God. Keep yourself in the love of God. Keeping yourself in the love of God is very, very important because the more you keep yourself in the love of God, take note now, you grow in God. Praise God. You increase spiritually. Hallelujah. You get to understand a lot of mysteries that you've never known before. And the more God pour himself upon you. Praise God. Look at it. Keep yourself in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. The more we continue to love God. You see, those who are lovers of God, they enjoy the mercies of God. They enjoy the mercies of God. Those who are lovers of God, they enjoy the grace of God. They enjoy the power of God. Everything about God is available for them. Those who love God. Are you loving God? Or are you loving yourself? Are you loving God? What is it that has the preeminence over your life? Is it money? Is it your job? Is it your children, your husband, your wife, your, your, your money, your business? Anything, anything whatsoever. Do we really love God? Genuine worship is not just about song. Singing a song unto the Lord, no. Genuine worship has to do with you surrendering yourself. It is as a result of love that an individual will go to the altar and say, for better and for worse, I will. Till death do worse part, I will. They give their time, they give their everything, they bring everything together as one. Why love? What is it that you've done? 
that shows or reveals the love of God that you have for God in your life. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at the next point. The Bible says that we must serve him. Go back to the account, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 10. Hallelujah. It talks about the love of God and he says, hmm, loving him and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Are we serving God with all of our heart and with all our soul? Joshua chapter 24. How do we serve God? Joshua 24. Let's see verse number 14 to 15. Joshua 24. Hallelujah. Joshua 24. Are we there? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Joshua 24, verse 14 to verse 15. Thank you, Lord. 14 and 15. I love this. It says, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in what? Sincerity. You see that there? And in truth. So when you fear God, hallelujah, you are going to do what? You are going to serve him in sincerity and in truth. Now, the fear of God will cause you to serve him. The love of God will also cause you to serve him. Praise God. The love of God, the fear of God will cause you to serve him. And when you walk with the Lord, then you're going to be able to serve him in what? Sincerity and in truth. Not through hypocrisy, not in camouflage or manipulation, in truth. And put away the gods of the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. Verse 15. It says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose ye this day whom you will serve. Whether the God which your father served, that were on the other side of the flood, or the God of the Amorite in whose land ye dwell. But, look at this now, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. What a wonderful statement. As for me and my wife, as for me and my children, as for me and my husband, as for me and my brothers and sisters, as for me and my, my, my mom and my dad, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Who are you serving? In your house. Maybe at your house or your household, you're having idols. You're having this image here that you bow down to. Then you go out and you say, Hallelujah! 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 There are some people that they, they, they worship all kinds of God. <laughs> all kinds. He says, Are you a Christian? He says, Yes. Are you a Muslim? He says, Yes. Are you a Krishna? He says, Yes. Are you a Buddhist? He says, Yes. Uh, are you a Baha'i? He says, Yes. Are you Sikh? He says, Yes. Uh, are you Hindu? He says, I'm, I'm everything. I'm everything. He says, God is everything. I'm, I'm everything. You are confused. You are really, really, really confused. Praise God. Some people say, I'm a scientist, or I'm a free thinker, or I, 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 I'm not religious, or the other one will say, well, well, I'm a psychologist. You are everything again. You are still confused. You're confused. Serve God. Serve God Almighty. He said, I don't know who, who served the true God. Listen, you don't want to know about the true God. If you really, truly want to know about the true God, listen, I've heard testimonies, and I've given assignment to people that I've met over the years. I said, listen, 
They'll tell me, oh, I belong to this religion, I belong to that, I belong to this. I said, okay, let me give you one assignment. Go back to God personally, sincerely, wholeheartedly, and say, God, show me yourself. Show me the true God. Lord, I don't know you. I don't know who you are. I don't understand you, but if Jesus is really your truly God, or if this is my religion is really, go and ask God, and God will show you. We've had many testimonies about people who belong to other religions and they, they were sincere deep down in their heart. And they say, God, show me your truth. Some of them had encounter. Jesus show up. Some of them had revelation. Some of them had dreams. Some of them had vision, literal vision. They, like what happened to Paul and uh, Saul, he became Paul. The reason why a lot of people are still stranded religiously is because they have a mindset. They have a mindset. They are looking for a God that they, they, they themselves have designed. So they are not looking for God that will design their life. No. They are looking for a God that they themselves have designed. This is how I want my God to be. This is how I want my faith to be. So if they go to this one today, it, it, it doesn't align with whatever they intended it to be. They say, no, I won't serve this one. I'll go to this next religion. And then they say, ah, they say, this religion says, oh, we should be jumping upside. They say, okay, I, I won't serve this one. They go to this next. So they kept trying and testing and trying to prove all the different religions and they have not been able to get to the point. Why? Because they have their own personal prescription as to what God should be like. What God will look like. Are you serving God? There are those also who are out there who are, they, they actually know the truth. They actually know the truth. But they are holding on to other issues. Imagine somebody said they are Christians and they still have charms and talisman under their bosom. Imagine somebody said they are Christian, they go to church, they still have rings, occultic, demonic rings. They still consult psychic. Somebody said they are children of God. They still go to juju men, go to the villages, and go seek help from powers and forces of darkness. How can you be a child of God, and yet you are consulting occultic demonic powers? Those are all strange gods. The Bible says, put them away. Put all those strange gods away. Serve the Lord with sincerity. Serve him with truth. Stop serving the God of your fathers who I was born in this religion. That's the God of your fathers. Who I was born in this culture. I was born in this tradition. And this is what we've, we, we, we met. And we're practicing, uh, practicing this, uh, our custom. And we, we, you know, every young man must go through this secret society. Or every young woman must go through this. And that is how you attain to power. That is how they consider you as a member of the family. Or that is how they consider you as part of the community or this village. And if you don't belong to this cult practice or this witchcraft practice or this occultic practice, oh, things won't work for you. No, who said that? Those are all man-made doctrines. Separate yourself. Make up your mind to serve Almighty God. Make up your mind to be at the center of the will of God. Make up your mind to serve God and God alone. In God alone. He said, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Why are you going back? He said, oh, Pastor, they threaten me, they will kill me. Tell them I'd rather die for God than to go back into that occultic practice, that demonic practice. Serve the Lord. Serve him wholeheartedly. There are many ways you can serve God. You can serve God 
by obeying God. You can serve God by living the life that pleases God. You can serve God in his house. You can serve God in many, many ways. Praise God. There are many ways that you and I can serve God. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. You can serve God by being part of what God is doing in the church. You get yourself involved and you are engaging the activities of the Lord. Praise God. You can serve God firstly by living the life that pleases God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So serving God is very, very important. It's, 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 it's a broad issue. Praise God. It's not just so I'm serving God by coming to church now. Serving God has to do with everything. Remember, it says, Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Look at the book of Exodus. Exodus. Hallelujah. 32, uh, 23, verse 25. Exodus 23, 25. It says, And ye shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy waters. And I will take sickness, oh my goodness, away from the midst of thee. Do you see the secret there? Praise God. There are secrets of excellence in life. That's number one, serving God. When you serve the Lord God, the Bible says, He shall bless thy bread. Bless your house. Bless your children. Bless your business. Bless your finance. He will bless. When you serve God, blessing is coming. So you see, there are some things you ought not to be praying for. So as a child of God, oh Lord bless me, oh Lord bless me, Lord bless me, bless me, oh bless me. No, don't waste your time. Lord, help me to serve you. When while you are serving, blessing is coming. Look at what's going to happen. And ye shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy waters. You have extraordinary abundance in your life. He will increase your bread. Your water will, your well will never run dry. He says, and I will take sickness away from the midst of the, you see that? So you should, you should not be sick by right. He says he will take it away. Or when sickness comes, praise God, God says, I will take it away. I will take it away. I will, do, look at it. He says, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. He will take it away. So, you don't need to begin to break your head looking for doctors or this. So, oh, am I, am I, am I going to handle this? Lord, he said, if I serve you, uh, you will take sickness away. Therefore, Lord, I come before you as your servant. Lord, by the time you finish, <laughs> sickness gone. Before you know, you begin to say, I, I remember a few days ago, I was feeling otherwise, but huh, look at me now. How come? He took it away. He took it away. He didn't come and say, go and begin to say, in the name of Jesus, hey, you devil, any attack from the pit of hell. No, no, you don't even look at them. Don't stop glorifying the devil. Sometimes you think you are praying, oh. Let me tell you this now. It's true. You think you are praying, but truly you are glorifying the devil. You give so much attention to him. And so he begins to feel as if. And sometimes all these things you are giving attention to the devil has nothing to do with the devil. He's, he's, he's just one rubbish and foolish person. But you bring him to the face of God. Hey, in the name of Jesus, you devil, I can be I bind you, devil. Oh, devil, devil. By the time you finish the prayer, you sound the devil more than 100 times. 
Heavy power of darkness. You've sounded it more than 200 times. By the time you finish that 30-minute prayer, you call the devil more than 100 times. And you make mention of Jesus maybe five times. And he looks and he sits and says, you see, I, they, they, they acknowledge me. Listen, you acknowledge what the devil is doing much more than what God is doing. Stop it. It's wrong. Stop it. It's not right. It's wrong. That is not true Christianity. There are some churches, when you go there, it's warfare. Every enemy of my life. Everybody will shout, every enemy of my life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Die. As I used to say, since you've been killing them, they are still alive. They're not dying. So are you wasting your time shouting, die when they are not dying? Go to God. Serve God. When you serve God, eh? <laughs> Listen. No demon from hell will attend to your life. Why? Because he keeps a watch over you. Haven't you read the Bible says the builder buildeth in vain. The watchman waketh in vain. Except the Lord build the house. Or except the Lord keep the city. These are the things that you should be paying attention to. Listen, we are Christians. It is unbelievers that should be praying those prayers or binding and losing and chasing the devil. No! Genuine child of God don't have time for that. Because you know what? Everywhere you go, there's protection. The Bible says, God, I mean, Satan himself said to God when he confronted you, he said, you built an edge around about him. He said, I cannot. He knows. He knows that there's an edge around about you. Now look at this now. He says, and he shall, he shall serve the Lord your God. He shall bless thy bread and thy waters. And I will what? Take sickness away from the midst of thee. You see, we don't pay attention to these things. We don't even acknowledge that this exists. But these are the way out. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. We've read that. Psalm, Psalm, Psalm 2, verse, verse uh, 11. Psalm 2, verse 11. It says, Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with tremble. Praise God. You can see that also in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 58. Praise God. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7. It says, with good will. This is wonderful. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7. It says, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. So when you are serving God, make sure that you are doing service as unto the Lord, not to men. So how do you serve God? You serve him wholeheartedly. Forget about people. Sometimes you go to church, you're doing things for God, cleaning. That can be part of the service, right? You're mopping the floor, uh, vacuuming the carpet, you're painting the church, whatever you are doing, playing keyboard, you are taking care of the office, or you're taking out garbage somewhere, you're cleaning even the washroom and the church, anything, anything that you're evangelizing, anything that you are engaging that you know is a service unto the law. Don't begin to look for human reward, human approval, human applaud. No, forget about people. You are doing it as unto the law. Even when you go to work and at work, as a doctor, you are serving Acknowledge that you are doing it unto the law. As a, a, a laborer, acknowledge you are doing it unto the law. As, as a teacher, as a, a, a professor, principal, or whatever you are doing, you are contributing to society. Just acknowledge that you are serving unto the law, not unto man. Do it. He says, serve the Lord with fear and rejoicing and trembling, according to Psalm 2 verse 11. And Ephesians 6, 7 says, with goodwill, doing service, goodwill, Doing service as to the Lord, not 
to men. Praise God. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, it says, Wherefore, we rejoice in a kingdom, praise, sorry, we receive in a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve, look at it, we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. I love this so much. Wherefore we receive in a kingdom which cannot be moved. The kingdom that we receive, which is the kingdom of God, cannot be moved. Our salvation will not be taken away. It cannot be destroyed. Praise God. Our hope is reserved. Praise God. According to the word of God, the Bible says it is reserved. It cannot be destroyed. And as a result, we're asking God for grace. Let us have grace, 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 whereby we may serve God. How? Acceptably, with reverence and godly fear. So how do we serve? We serve him acceptably. We serve him what? With godly fear. You remember Romans chapter 1, uh, chapter 2, uh, sorry, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It talks about our body be, being the reasonable service. You serve God with your body. You serve God with your heart. You serve God in every area of your life. Praise the Lord. Caring for the poor. Helping the widow. Meeting the need of the fatherless. Right? And those who, who are orphans. We can serve God in many areas, in many ways. Praise God. You can serve God in the house. You can serve God even outside of the house. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. And then, not only that, finally, he says, we must keep his commandment. We must keep his commandment. Praise God. Hallelujah. Before I talk about the commandment, let's look about, let's talk about our heart condition in serving God. And then we round up with his commandment. Let's look at our heart condition in serving God. You know, sometimes when we do things, we just, some of us, we do things for the eyes of men to please people. No, the Bible says we must do it wholeheartedly with our heart. We must be sincere. Praise God. Hallelujah. We must be sincere whenever we're serving God. Hallelujah. With all of our heart. Praise the name of the Lord. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, it says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with uh, the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Wholeheartedly. Praise God. So loving God must come out of your heart. Praise God. Wholeheartedly. In obedience to God, it must be done. Wholeheartedly. In Psalm 119, verse 2, it says, Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. Praise God. It's also in Psalm 119, verse 34. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. So you serve God in love, we serve him in obedience, we serve him in truth. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart or all thy heart and lead not unto thine own understanding. So even when we talk about faith, it has to do with our heart, wholeheartedly. When we pray also, when we pray in serving God through prayer, we must do it wholeheartedly. We must do it wholeheartedly. When we're trusting God by faith, it has to do with our heart. Praise God. In Jeremiah 29, verse 13, it says, And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall seek or search for me with all your heart. Your heart condition, very, very important. Even in repentance. In repentance, it should be done wholeheartedly. In the book of Joel, chapter 2, verse 12, it said, Therefore also now, say the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart 
and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. Praise God. So even when we talk about repentance, it must be from the depth of our heart. When we talk about prayer, it must come out of the depth of our heart. When we talk about trust, faith, it must come out of the depth of our heart. When we talk about obedience, it must come out of the depth of our heart. When we talk about love, all of this must come out of the depth of our heart. So as we see all these few scriptures, it talks about serving God and loving God with all of our heart, obeying him with all of our heart, according to um, Psalm 119 verse 2, trusting him with all of our heart, Proverbs 3 and 5, Pray with all of our heart, uh, Joel 20, uh, Jeremiah 29, 13. Repentance with all of our heart, Joel chapter 2, verse 12. And let's deal with the final point, and then we're going to pray. Hallelujah. Give me five minutes, and I'll be done. We're talking about keeping his commandment. That was the last requirement that we ought to do. Hallelujah. The Bible talks about keeping his commandment in the book of um, Deuteronomy chapter 10. And let's see verse number uh, 13. And keep the commandment of the Lord and his statutes which I command thee this day for thy good. For thy good. Look at Deuteronomy 26, 18. 26, Deuteronomy 26, verse 18. Thank you, Jesus. Deuteronomy 26, verse number 18. What does it say? And the Lord had avouched thee this day to be, take note of this now, to be his peculiar people can you imagine that? And that thou should keep all his commandments. In other words, God has vowed, God has covenanted himself, God has decreed, God has declared that you are his people. But the Bible says you must do what? Keep his commandment. All, all, all. Praise God. He had vowed that you are going to be his people, peculiar people, that is special people. Praise the name of the Lord. You are uniquely different, different from others. Praise God. And thou shalt keep all his commandments. Hallelujah. He has vowed, praise God, hallelujah, that you are his people. And he has promised you that he will see you through, but you have a responsibility. And your responsibility is to do what? To keep his commandments. Praise the name of the Lord. One major thing that we see throughout our studies tonight is that of God asking us to keep his commandment. His commandment. Praise God. Hallelujah. His commandment is very, very important. And at the end of that account, you see he says something. We ought to keep his commandment for our good. For our good. Praise God. I want you to write these scriptures. I will go very, very fast, and then we're going to pray. Amen. Hallelujah. In Exodus 20, verse 6, Exodus chapter 20, verse 6, it's an instruction that you should keep his commandments. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 40. Deuteronomy 4, 40. Praise God. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 17. Deuteronomy 6, 17. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 13. Deuteronomy 10, 13. Praise God. Deuteronomy 26, 18. Deuteronomy 26, 18. Joshua 22, 5. Joshua 22, 5. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 3. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 3. 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 12. Chapter 6, verse 12. Chapter 8, verse 58. Chapter 8, verse 58. Praise God. Chapter 11, verse 38. All of these are instructions. Keep his commandment. Keep his commandment. Keep his commandment. 11, 38. Second Kings, chapter 17, verse 13. Second Kings, 17, 13. First Chronicles 28, verse 8. First Chronicles 28, verse 8. First Chronicles 29, 19. First Chronicles 29, 19. 
Psalm 78, verse 7. Psalm 78, verse 7. Ezekiel 44, 24. Ezekiel 44, 24. Matthew chapter 19, verse 17. Matthew 19, 17. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. Revelation chapter 14, verse 12. Revelation chapter 14, verse 12. Let's close by going back to our text. And we're going to pray. Hallelujah. We must keep his commandment. Hallelujah. And the Bible says, the reason in verse 13 is that for our good. Why do you have to keep the commandment of God? Keeping the commandment is for your good. The Bible says in the book of Joshua, God instructed Joshua to meditate on the word of the Lord, which is the commandment of the Lord, the instruction of the Lord. And in doing so, the Bible says, he will make his way prosperous. Praise God. The commandment of the Lord is not grievous as we've read from the book of 1 John chapter 5. But in the book of Psalm chapter 1, let me just read that through and then I'm done, but I just want to draw your attention to Psalm 1. And uh, I don't just want to quote it off head. I just want us to see a few things there. And then we'll pray. Psalm 1, hallelujah. It talks about the blessing. It says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, praise God, nor seated in the seat of the scuffle, praise God, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. That law has to do with the commandment of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. That has to do with the commandment of the Lord, the instruction of the Lord. And look at the benefit. What's going to happen? And he shall be like a tree planted in the river of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. You see that there? So he's telling you that by obeying the commandment of God, by living according to God's statutes, prosperity is eminent. Healing is eminent. Provision is eminent. Deliverance is eminent. Breakthrough is eminent. Promotion. There's nothing that you want that you will not get. Praise God. So as a child of God, don't turn the theory backwards. It's not going to work for you. Don't turn the theory upside down. It's not going to work for you. Follow the pattern. There is a pattern. And the pattern is stop chasing God after your need. No. Stop chasing God after things. No. Go after God. Chase God for God. God, I want you. I want you. I want you. I want you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Lord, I will obey. I will obey. I will do your will. And forget about your need. And that is how you're going to prove the integrity of God. Look at this kind of a man. The Bible says he will meditate on the word, keep the commandment of God is his delight, following after the precept and standard of the law. The Bible says, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit. You're going to be fruitful. You bring forth your fruit in his season and his leaves shall not wither. You are never going to experience failure. You're never going to die. Praise God. You know what I mean by that? Praise God. You're never going to be disappointed. Hallelujah. You're never going to be a casualty. And he says, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Stop looking out for prosperity. Stop. Stop. Don't turn it upside down. Just follow the precept. If you hold this word, meditate on this word, live by this word, the Bible says it's going to be well with you. And look at verse 4. It says, the ungodly are not so, but are like a chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth, take note, the way of the righteous, 
but the way of the ungodly shall perish. The question is, do you understand the ways of God? The ways of God is through the word of God. When you understand the word of God, you clearly understand the ways of God. And by following after the ways of God, you walk in his ways, you will love him with all your heart, you will fear him, praise God, hallelujah, you will serve him and you will keep the statutes of the Lord. The question to you tonight is, who are you and what are you in the presence of God? Who are you in the presence of God? Are you a lover of God? What are you in the presence of God? What do you do? What is your real true identity in the presence of God? What is your purpose of being a Christian? Why are you in church? Do you, do you wholeheartedly, are you genuine serving God in sincerity with all of your heart? Have you surrendered all to him? I'm not here to accuse you. I'm not here to judge you. But my point to you is tonight, if you know that, Lord, I am not in line. God, I am disconnected. Lord, God Almighty, I have lost it before. Lord, God Almighty, Lord, I... I I, I don't know my way. Oh Lord, really truly your word is for me tonight and I've discovered myself. I know now that it was a sister that dragged me to church and I go to church because of that sister, not because I love you. Oh Lord, it was sickness that dragged me to church and now oh, I'm always in church because of sickness and because of problem, because I'm afraid that the problem might come or the sickness might come, but not because I love you. Oh, Lord, it was that problem. I was so much overwhelmed with the problem in my life. And, Lord, that there was no other way I had to turn to you. So it was a problem that dragged you to God. But do you genuinely, wholeheartedly, sincerely, truly love God? Is, is it part of your life? I love to sing a song that says, The greatest thing in all my life is loving you the greatest thing in all my life loving you I want to love you Lord I want to love you Lord the greatest thing in all my life is loving you the greatest thing in all my life is serving you the greatest thing in all my life is serving you I want to serve you I want to serve you, Lord, the greatest thing in all my life is serving you. Maybe you are out there, you are a child of God. You are genuinely saved, but you feel disappointed because of all that you've been doing. And it's as if nobody cares. It's as if nobody, nobody knows about what you're going through. And sometimes you're desperately in need of help. And you're asking, you're shouting, you're crying. And your voice has not been heard. Don't mind whatever you may be going through right now. God knows. God heard you. And God sees you. And God validates what you're doing. Keep on running. Keep on walking. 
keep on sacrificing, keep on praying, keep on evangelizing, evangelizing, keep on loving and caring for other people. God who sees your heart and sees your labor. The Bible says he will not forget the labor of the righteous. He is not unrighteous to forget the labor that you've labored. He's a faithful God. Hallelujah. And I pray for you tonight. And can you lift up your voices and say, Lord, help me. Whatever area, whatever way I have fallen, whatever mistake that I have made, oh Lord, or whatever passion, maybe I'm just doing it by myself, by my own ego, out of my own demand, it is not of you. Lord, I want to begin to serve you now. I want to begin to love you now. I want to begin to please you now. I want to do it. I know it may cost me, Lord, but yet, Lord, because of you, because I love you, I will do it. Can we pray together? Maybe you are watching out there. You are not yet born again. You have not yet given your life to the Lord. Can we also pray together? I want to pray with you firstly. Can we pray together? Can you say there, Lord Jesus? I repent of all my sins. I am sorry. Pardon me, Lord. Forgive me for all my sins. I believe you died for me. You were in the grave. On the third day, you rose from the dead. There, Lord Jesus, write my name in the book of life. I confess you as my Lord, my personal Savior. Holy Spirit.